you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL Podcast has the vapors. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. I don't know why I was talking so fast there. <laughs> Slow it down. It's a big show and you're ready. Old Zeuser, I'm week excited. Three. It's our big Sunday week three recap show. lot to discuss right now. Week one, I mean, you know, you're getting warmed up. Week two, we're learning some things. This, this winds up being the best show of the whole season. Then it goes, starts going downhill next week. <laughs> it seems like it's very Cincinnati Bengals-like. <laughs> what, a, what an early time to peak. Uh, yes, we have a lot of games to get to because... You know, here at the Around the NFL podcast, we want to make sure we get to you on Sunday night, get all the games taken care of, go through them all, analyze them. Then you could tune in over on the NFL Network mm-hmm. on your uh, dial and check out the Around the NFL TV show with our good bud Andrew Siciliano, and he's doing his thing. Basically, Around the NFL is a busy operation. When's the last time you saw a TV with a dial? Uh. Well, there many, many a grandfather like, house. Yes, yeah, septuagenarians, uh, a plenty of them. There was a dial when I was growing up that you had to, you know, we're old enough sure, to be at 70s. least alive during that era. Uh, we had it to happened. use like uh, you still do fingernail have openers to open the TV. That's how, <laughs> that's how bad our TV was. What was, what was it like? Uh, you have seven brothers, including yourself, correct? What was it, the TV situation? There, were, there was a good three-year period in there where the only TV we owned was like a 10-inch black and white that would only turn on with like fingernail or uh with like tweezers and then you had to have the aluminum mm. foil of course and sometimes you use a hanger for the did antenna. you have a roof we had a roof oh that's good i we can had... imagine a lot of fist fights breaking out over whether you're gonna watch what you're gonna watch at 8 30 on a wednesday no you usually watch what mom wants to watch mm. that's yeah. better so a lot to come i love any peek behind the curtain of the wrestling <laughs> family tree but right now we're going to focus on the task at hand and that is breaking down all the week three games this is what we got coming up on today's show uh recap every game greg 32 teams i break this down all the time as a reminder no buys uh games played thursday and monday at least 14 games uh to talk mm. about today you nailed it and that means if you're reading our takeaways column our world famous takeaways column on the website three per game 14 times three What's that, Dan? 
12. <laughs> close. I once close. got a 39 on a state-mandated math test. So we got the week three recap coming up. We also have our good friend, and we love her. She's talented. She's wonderful. She's friendly. She's Colleen Wolf. Very knowledgeable. Did I mention that? Connie Fox. She is knowledgeable. Connie Fox. The great Connie Fox will join us. And that is the call. She hears that. And like a feral animal, she turns back from whatever she's doing, starts galloping towards the Culver City Studios at NFL Network. I don't know if she'd like that imagery. I don't know. But listen, I, that's, I already went down that road. It's too late to back out. And finally, what? what no, no. I'm just excited to hear what's next. <laughs> well, you know what's next. We're doing this a long time now. The Sunday Night Football big matchup at Ford Field. Uh, Peyton Manning and the Broncos against Matthew Stafford and the Lions. So we'll break down that big primetime game uh, that you just watched. Alan Chris with the call. A lot of good stuff coming up today. So let's now get into the week three Sunday schedule and let's start. Mark Sessler in Cincinnati. We're in Baltimore, I should say, where AJ Green, you know, I just talked about the wide receivers, but AJ Green had the game of his career, racking up 227 yards and two touchdowns as the undefeated Bengals outlasted the Ravens 28 24. Ravens fall to 0 3. The Bengals now 3 0. Mark, let me ask you this question. Do you believe in the Bengals? I do. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we've, we've taken Andy Dalton to town over and over and for good reason in the past. And I, and I think he's still going to have a couple of those stinker games. But he just looks completely comfortable in this offense in the second year with Hugh Jackson. I didn't see it to that degree last year. I think they've got so much talent around him that he just feels more confident that he can make plays. And that's what he did today against a bad secondary, frankly, in Baltimore. When it came down to it and they needed him to drive the length of the field, he did it without any issue. Mm. And, and yes, it was A.J. Green, but it was also Baltimore, I think, is a big issue. A big, another big part of this game is their defense, the defense that we've grown up watching dismantle the rest of that division and take well, out you and Wes are fully grown men when Baltimore came. All right, the last decade. If anyone in this <laughs> yeah. show is 20 years old listening to yes. this, you don't know anything else. This is unusual to watch a team get beaten up the way they have. Last week, Derek Carr, career game. This week, Andy Dalton goes and does the same thing. We don't think of these quarterbacks this way. It has something to do with Baltimore's defense. Well, this is a game the Ravens needed to win, and they didn't win it. Yeah. The past couple of Januarys, you've been even more frustrated than I have been by Andy Dalton's play. It sounds like you're saying you believe he could go into January right now and you'd have total confidence that he would win a playoff game. It's not just him alone. I mean, I think the team has evolved. The team that lost those back-to-back games against the Texans and those boring playoff games, this is a completely different Baltimore, completely different Bengals team. To, to Mark's point, like what we expect from Andy Dalton throughout his career, on Friday's show you mentioned how you thought that the Ravens would win because uh, Dalton had a stinker in him because he's had those in his well, career. Well, I just picked every home team, and I <laughs> yeah, paid the true. price for that. But your point made so much sense that on my fantasy team, I benched Andy Dalton with mm. your words echoing in my mind. See, this is why I jumped out of fantasy and, with Dan, because everything that I, that I that he does turns out being By the way, our team advice. is, I lessened your stake in our team. I took you out of the decision-making process. Glad you did. We're 3-0. and But Glad I put did. in <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. In for Dalton. That oh didn't work gosh. out well. Well, that's your decision. Why did oh, you do that? I mean, it was an awful decision in retrospect. But the point being is, like, maybe this is a different Andy Dalton. But it is September. Don't we, sit a quarterback against Baltimore secondary. That's we, what I wouldn't do. We've seen Andy Dalton have great three-game stretches. No so doubt. we want to see it over the long haul. Now, I do think he has looked better. And if you want to make the case, what's different with Andy Dalton now? It's what Wes was talking about in the offseason. It's the best supporting cast maybe in the entire NFL. You have Jeremy Hill not even playing well, and Gio Bernard can go in there and look like a top-ten running back. You have Marvin Jones catching long touchdowns. You have Tyler Eifert 
resting away balls, looking very physical, you know, looking like a high-quality tight end. I mean, he has got more talent around him, no matter how well he's playing, than just about any quarterback in the league. You've also got one of the things that all of the best teams in the NFL have right now, and that's good offensive line play. To me, that's the difference between the good teams and the bad teams through three weeks. And the Bengals, look, Andy Dalton can go 14-0 in the regular season. And my opinion of him will not change. He has to win big games, win under the lights, win in the playoffs. I don't care what you're doing on some random Sunday in September. Mm. Wes, uh, let's talk stable boys for a moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, The man that resides in the suite, not for much longer, he'll be moving out at the end of the year. But Steve Smith uh, putting up some historic numbers for a man his age. Playing like a man possessed. I mean, he's such a great competitor and the best two-game stretch by any wide receiver over 35 years old in Mm -hmm. NFL history. He's up there with Jerry Rice as far as old wide receivers go. One thing I'll say, though, uh, speaking of being wowed in September, we were talking about him as a MVP candidate last time, last year this time. Let's see if he can keep it up. No, old players players fade over the course of the season. I fully expect that. He's one of the few players on that team showing any fire right now, to Mm. be honest. That's true. Old players. The offense has been okay, though, right? I mean, I don't think. They have, but yeah, their passing game, they have no foundational run game right now. Who's, who's playing well in this offense besides Steve Smith and Crockett Gilmore? Flacco's been okay. They don't have any speed. And you know what's weird, though? They're 0-3, and no 0-3 team has made the playoffs since the Bills in 98. That was the Doug Flutie season. Uh, but would anybody here be surprised if they were 6-6 six and six in November? Right. In the I, AFC, and I, in think the mix. Get, I think they can get back in the race, but it's going to have to start Thursday in Pittsburgh. They, they get a little lucky there with that matchup. A little. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. They're three plays away, really, from being in this game. And, and talking about Andy Dalton, I mean, he won in Baltimore last year with a big play to A.J. Green. I mean, it, these things have happened before. I, I would look at the more as about 25 plays away from being a good team, not just three plays away from being undefeated. They're, yeah. they're not 0-3 bad, but the record says you're 0-3 in a division that's really tough, so that's a yep. problem. What did Bill Parcell say, Wes? You are what your record says you are. Right, so we, uh, you mentioned, Greg, that... They get lucky uh, next week, uh, the Ravens do, and that's because Ben Roethlisberger won't be playing. The Steelers quarterback left Sunday's game with a knee injury in the third quarter. The Steelers still survived. Michael Vick came in. They won 12-6 in St. Louis against the Rams. Forget about the Rams. They stink. (laughs) Greg, has the one they called Big Ben changed his injury? Has it shifted the balance of power in the AFC? Absolutely. It gives the Bengals a chance to get ahead of the Steelers over how, you know, as we tape this Sunday night, we'll see. The initial estimates are four weeks, but we, we don't really know for sure what that's going to be, but that could be big. Bengals can get a couple-game lead. Who knows if the Steelers were going to be in the mix for a bye. That's going to make things tougher on them, but I think it's really important that they won this game today, that you can't overlook the fact they were up 9-3 to three when he left the game midway through the third quarter. Michael Vick did absolutely nothing. In fact, he fumbled the ball, and he nearly threw an interception, and yet they still won the game without Ryan Shazier because of their defense. Now, they got, you know, they got a little lucky. The Rams gave him a couple things, but ultimately, it's a good sign to me that they won the game with Le'Veon Bell with a big run at the end and the defense playing pretty well. I mean, is it just ball? Like, Pittsburgh's defense has been better. Like the last game, they're finally getting some pass rush. But you're the St. Louis Rams. You lose, you lose 12 to 6. <laughs> they are who I we mean, thought they were. Ridiculous. Their well, offensive the, line is a joke, and they don't move the ball on offense. The score is a, is, was strange because... The Rams really let the Steelers throw the ball short. I think they were so determined not to have what happened to the 49ers, and it worked. 
Ben Roethlisberger, when he got hurt, it was about to be a third and 21. They probably would have been punting there. The Rams were going to get to the fourth quarter holding Ben Roethlisberger and this loaded offense to nine points. So the Rams' defense played well. I think they did what they needed to do. If Lance Kendricks doesn't kill two drives with drops, including a, a play that would have been a 45-yard touchdown, I think the Rams are ahead in this it's, game. It's the same old story with the Rams. There's yes. always something, and it's this offense. And, you know, listen, we all love Detective Frank Signetti. But you know what? Turn in your badge, bro. Too, too awful. Turn game. it in. Because you're not, your team's not moving anywhere. And I know Nick Foles is your quarterback. And Todd Gurley came back and played and made his debut. Didn't do anything. You know, Tavon Austin, who we were starting to get excited about. He's pulling that thing again where he disappears for four to six weeks. It's the same old crap with the Rams. It, it is. And Foles really did nothing wrong for the first three quarters. It was really his teammates and just a wildly conservative offense, and they only had three drives in the first half. But if you're gonna have that type of game plan, then you need to have him play well when it matters in the fourth quarter. And when he got the ball back only down three with three minutes to go, the first thing he does is throw into double coverage and an interception. So when the chips were down the last couple weeks, he played poorly. And this can tear apart a team if you're the Rams, because what do you think Greg Williams is telling his defensive players behind the scenes when your offense is putting up six points? You held the Steelers to 12 points, you <laughs> did your job. He's been known to tell his defensive players a few things behind the scenes. Jeff Fisher said as, almost said as much after the game when they were talking about how they lost the game, and he basically was like, well, we've only scored 16 points on offense the last two weeks. That's, it, that's the only problem. That's the only problem. 7-9, you're right. I think if you're the Steelers, you have to go from uh, they need the nadir of deflation this afternoon to kind of feeling buoyant right now. Mm. You're, if the reports are accurate, Ben might miss four to six weeks. Le'Veon Bell comes back in as a factor. Martavis Bryant is due back. They could win some games, and if they're still in it. It's insane how good their offense is. Their first play of the game, they line up Le'Veon Bell at wide receiver. Almost, It was almost like a sign. Hey, we're going to make him a wide receiver. Throws it to him for 10 yards. He looked good. He looked like Le'Veon Bell, basically. You know, I mean, if, they're, if he, Big Ben's out for a month, it's the Ravens at home, the Chargers on the road, the Cardinals at home, and the Chiefs away. It's not easy. Two and two, maybe. If you go two and two there, I mean, they've done it with Charlie Batch. Fine. And you're fine. I'd be worried about Michael Vick, though, from what we saw last year. You know what year. else I'd be worried about? <laughs> yeah. Your uh, sandwich proposition that the Rams are finishing in second place. That is oh, yeah. Right the Cardinals, it's on life support. Cardinals I, racing towards 14-2. and two, And, you know, the Seahawks will win at least 11. Yeah, bang! I, I, don't, I think the Rams have a chance still to, to win 10 to games. To go 7-9. This is going to be oh, They've got to grade that game until they win 7. They've got a great chance to go 7-9. and nine. What have you seen from them to think they're going to go 10-6 now? They easily could have won this game. But, Greg, this they're is terrible! Story. Greg's whole thing <laughs> they're is... They're terrible! You, 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 you will sit there until a team is buried you'll tell us about every way and shape and form that they can <laughs> avoid the coffin. But they are not a 10-win team in, right now. They're one and two. We will have seven Stick different times this year with all of these teams. Oh, the Bengals are done now. Like, we'll, we'll have a play where the Bengals six. are not done. Tell us they'll win six in a row. We might have to start sticking a fork in some teams. I'm not I saying the Rams so, yeah. are that team, but uh, fork em. come on, let's be serious. Let's move on. Let's check out some, a team in the AFC, a team that was desperate for a win. The Indi and Indianapolis Colts got it. They scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Came from behind to knock off the Tennessee Titans in a 37-35 thriller in Nashville. Chris Wessling, did this comeback save Chaz Pagano's job? I don't know. I'm not Jim Irsay. Let's just say you are. <laughs> I think it could save their season. You could look back in January and, and they're in the playoffs and say that seven-minute span in the fourth quarter where they scored three touchdowns saved their season because just a few minutes before that, if you were watching a game, you're thinking, wow, Andrew Luck has severely regressed in mm. the pocket. Mm. As a decision maker and in pocket presence, he had clearly regressed. 
Andre Johnson saw one target officially in this game. He had a 37-yard play called back. Um, and in the offensive line, they made some moves. They put Joe Wrights in at right tackle, moved Jack Muir back inside the guard. But, but Luck still didn't seem to trust his line in this mm. game, and they still had plays called back on holding penalties. So I think you could say this: the Colts might be a little bit back on track, but they still have major issues, tangible issues on offense. You aren't getting Jack Muir heat in any other podcast. That's all I've got to say. Mr. and Mrs. Muir, if you're out there, they appreciate <laughs> it. Just for the record, since I am a hardcore journo, it was a 35-33 final. Not you, thank you for clarifying. How did your boy uh, Mariota look, putting a lot of points on the board? He looked impressive. Two interceptions. The first one was a pick six. It was not his fault in any way. Uh, Delaney Walker had the ball knocked out of his hands after he caught it and popped up into Dwight Lowry's hands, 67 yards. But Mariota moved the ball 367 yards, came back with a two-minute drill to tie, potentially tie the game, but they couldn't get the two-point conversion down. He looked pretty good. I was impressed with him again. And I think he, he Jay Cutler, and Mark Ripien are the only quarterbacks in NFL history to have multiple touchdowns in their first three NFL games. And that's happening with Tennessee, not running the ball at all, it looks like, and having a bizarre change of backfield every week. It's happening with a team that starts Harry Douglas and Antonio Andrews. Mm. Antonio Andrews is a running back who moves like a fullback. They benched Bishop Sankey. I don't know why, but they benched him. And this team, like, if... If uh, Delaney Walker and Kendall Wright aren't making the play, who's making the play? It's way too early to get into award season talk, but of all the major awards, Marcus Mariota is way out in front of anyone else mm. in his category, which is Offensive Rookie of the Year. The Gary Cooper seems like he's coming on strong. All right, you can throw him in there, but Mariota plays quarterback. successful quarterback is going to yeah. get that award every time. This is what we talked about with the, the Colts and the soft landing in the AFC South last week, though. We, I, even as they sort of we laid out like the three games in a row, it's like, okay, maybe they'll struggle a little bit against the Titans in that first one, and then they find a way to get a big win on the road, which is exactly what they did. I mean, that's the type of thing good teams do. And then next week, now you get the Jaguars or... I'm not sure what the order is, the Jaguars and the Texans, and they then you get a Jags. little better each week, and suddenly you've won three games, you're feeling better about yourself, and no one in this, they're already back in first place, no one in this division is above 500. Yeah, and then you get whacked in January <laughs> if you keep playing the way the Colts have, they're not a complete team. A tearful, emotional Chuck Pagano in the locker room, I saw the video on the Colts website, called this the biggest victory he's ever been a part of. Because <laughs> he well, knows, like I'm not joking around. I think there was a chance that he could have gotten fired tomorrow morning. He was if as, this did not turn around. He was as emotional around. as any coach I've and seen. He's, a, he's, he's an acknowledging guy. he's not coming back next year, probably. That, but that, that's a re, like, maybe that's true, and and I think he probably feels that. But they did win a playoff game against Peyton Manning last year to get to the AFC Championship. I would think that that game was pretty big. Well, that he was, was talking game. more about um, <laughs> showing character. No logic. Yeah. he was talking more about beyond football. Teaching life lessons. He's pressing hard is what he's doing. Win some more games. All right, moving on. Let's check out another undefeated team, the Atlanta Falcons, who rode, yes, a virtuoso performance from Julio Jones in a 39-28 comeback win over the depleted Dallas Cowboys uh, in Gerald World. This is a game where the Falcons scored the final 25 points. And then uh, Julio Jones, you know, as I alluded to at the top of the podcast, just took over 12 for 164 and two touchdowns. They also had a great running game. No Tevin Coleman, but Devontae Freeman went 30 for 141 and three touchdowns. It's amazing to me how different the Falcons are uh, this year compared to the Tevas uh, wearing Mike Smith era Falcons, which are just dead in the water. And I know we don't, uh, we could talk about team of uh, ATL at some point and we got to pick a team soon and we don't like to 
pick teams that play in domes for some reason. It's unclear to me, but that's something that you guys, Wes and Mark, have laid out in the past. We can clarify it for you. But the Falcons are an exciting team. I feel like they they pass a lot of the the tests, the litmus tests, for what we look for um, because they are playing really well right now. And the Cowboys uh, put up a good fight, but the Falcons just overwhelm them. How disappointing is this Cowboys defense that you get – 28 points from Brandon Whedon, and I know it stopped in the second half, but that's found money. They, yeah. they got that good of an offensive performance and jumped out to a huge lead in this game. That's, that's more than you could have expected out of Whedon. Yeah, and Whedon was fine. He was accurate with his passing. He made one Brandon Whedon-like pass that was intercepted, but he did exactly what they needed from him. And they what happened here with this game was strange because we talk about the vaunted offensive line of the Cowboys. And in the first half, they were dominant. Not only was Whedon getting protection, Joseph Randall was going off. I think he had 90 yards about at the half and finished with three rushing touchdowns himself. But then everything disappeared for this mm. team in the second half. They couldn't, I think they had negative five rushing yards in the third quarter, could not move the ball on the ground after that. And then Brandon Whedon, once you're in a position where it's Matt Ryan versus Brandon Whedon, who's going to win, you know what's going to happen there. I mean, Whedon, 22 for 26. We did a network hit last week where we basically all buried the guy. And I, I'm not saying he blew the doors off, but you're I, right, Greg. You love Brandon Whedon, but 22 for 26. <laughs> now he loves him. I don't think a lot of people predicting that. I think, though, one thing with the, with the Falcons, Kyle Shanahan has made a big difference for this offense because this team could not run the ball at all the last couple of years. Same characters, Devonta Freeman's in there, rushes for 141 yards. And here's the difference, because Kyle Shanahan did that in Cleveland with bad running backs. You take him out of the mix, Cleveland can't run the ball. Mm. It has to do with Shanahan, and he's always done well with his number one receiver. So Julio Jones is having the kind of year you could expect. Julio Jones has 34 catches, as I said, through three games. And, you know, that's he's on pace for an NFL record. No one's ever had that many catches in three games. And he's reached that stage where he's just uncoverable. Well, I, I'm glad you made that point about Julio off the top because it was something I wanted to talk about last week, which was that is Julio Jones, as great as he's been, going to have a season that this is the season we remember him by? And he's off to that start. I mean, every game he's been over 130 yards. Every game he's absolutely dominated the game to the point where you can say he's basically the difference. Because he was in the first two games. They don't win, They won that game because of him in week one, and they won that game because of him in week two. He's one of the few guys that signs a big money contract and actually is outplaying it potentially. I think on, on the other side of the ball, too, last week when I watched the Giants game, Vic Beasley, their first-round pick, yeah. might be the quickest edge rusher in the NFL already. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's fin- he's getting to – Tyron Smith, who has the best feet of any left tackle in the NFL, had some problems with Vic Beasley today. Looked good in week one, too. Yep. So the Falcons are 3-0, and as are the Arizona Cardinals, who are on a roll and creating some distance in the NFC South following a 47-7 win over the 49ers. Yikes. That week one Monday night win for the 49ers feels like it was about three years ago now. Uh, Greg, are the Cardinals that good or are the 49ers that bad? No, I think you have to give the credit to the Cardinals defense for jumping on some of Colin Kaepernick's passes. Two pick sixes in the first six minutes of that game. That is the first time in NFL history it's ever happened that fast. Well, they say since 1925. <laughs> Technically, they don't know what happened before. They have no idea. I'm going to go out there and say it since they didn't throw the ball back in 1925. Right. Probably not two pick sixes in the first six minutes. So <laughs> that's why it's a little hard to evaluate this game because the after the two pick sixes, they stopped them again, and then the Cardinals go right down the field. They're up 21 nothing. midway. I got through. some evaluation for you. What? Give the Cardinals some credit. Oh, they, They're just a much better team. Of course they are. Yeah, this they are. Last week, the 49ers... 
it was a little misleading, I think, the final score. They actually outgained Pittsburgh in that game. In this game, it was one-way traffic even after the start. I mean, they dominated on offense. They could have scored even more points. Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald were talking about missed opportunities after the game, and the 49ers never got anything going offensively. Can I make a request? Um, You're stru- raising your hand. Yeah, yes. structurally for our coverage, uh, how we wow. do things here at NFL.com. Sure. Can we just stop writing off-season stories? And Why? Do- because I, I, how many posts did we write about Colin Kaepernick and working with different coaches and improving his footwork. Oh, God. Look at his footwork on that's these why pick wait, sixes. That's by why the way. I pass up all those stories. I mean, it's it. Listen, somebody's got to do them. Uh, Wes, maybe you're a smarter <laughs> man than I. But I mean, we write the stories and you you, you put the analysis in, and maybe if he could do this and do that, Trent Dilfer believes it. He can get back to being that guy he was a couple years ago. But let's face it, Colin Kaepernick stinks now. I, I disagree. That I think. Writing off off-season stories, that makes sense. Writing him off, <laughs> off Kaepernick for one bad game when he played two, I would say, good games. Last week, I would say it was very good. It was one of the better played games by a quarterback all week. I know they trailed early, had nothing to do with him. He had a lot of impressive passes. I'm just saying... It's not going crazy it, about his week one game either. No, he was no, fine. Yeah. I, I'm just break. saying they, this game started off so poorly. It's almost like, what, what do you even say after it's 21 nothing in the first quarter? Yeah, it throws everyone off balance, and it's a bad team to be Carlos uh, they're, tied on. They're not lost by 30 that. points last week, too. Not that that's on Colin Kaepernick, but... Can I make a request for you? Yes. Can the Cardinals be team of ATL? Mm. What, you were the only one holding them the up, weren't you? Here's, here's my hesitation. Oh, no. That they're too good. Well, we had them last week before they were 3-0. Yeah, but we knew they were going to kill the Niners. So that, to me, it wasn't like we were going to be ahead I don't, of the I don't think there should be anything about too good. I'm not going to block it. We, can, we could take a vote on it. But I know, I just kind of, when I think of like a fun, exciting team, should be a little under the radar, which I wouldn't call the Cardinals. I kind of like what's going on in Atlanta. I, I'm with Dan, but I really don't think that this – the Carolina Panthers two years ago were not about specifically right, let's me. let's do this. Last let's, year was not about that either. You guys roll with what you want. Let's, let's think it over, and on Tuesday we'll make our decision. Wow. I, I, thought, I thought I would get a vote tonight. Wow. So we got a lot of stuff to get to, and I feel like that is a yeah, topic that needs a little bit – we need mm-hmm. some uh, time to really figure it out. We don't want to make a mistake. All the puff pieces will be out by Tuesday. Even, even, they're, even though they're good – I still think the key is that they're fun to watch and we like them and they have a spirit about them that we've liked Absolutely. since Bruce Absolutely. They Harry's have the coolest there. coach in the league. I, and he I never would, takes his foot off I the I would gas like bill. many teams, but John Brown, Larry Fitzgerald is playing. Larry Fitzgerald's he, awesome. 134 yards he's today. Great. He's running over people. They're, this team is so Honey good. Honey Badger feels like he's getting a blitz for a big play every week. Carson Palmer is a top five quarterback. The offensive line's good. This team is so good that they've made Chris Johnson a legit player again 150 yards from scrimmage today he's running decisively any team that could bring back the old chris johnson they're doing voodoo you guys are going to thank me by the way when, doing voodoo. when honey badger bruce Bar- arians and carson palmer moved to south korea on monday well you can you can thank <laughs> me for not making colin kaepernick the team of atl well i'm glad that's why you don't do it too early uh, yeah, you well, we're never going to make a decision on this thing. Can't well, go too late. Save can't, it for this, Tuesday. Tuesday is the time to make the move. I agree. Why would they move to uh, South Korea? Why not? They have motives. They have reasons. <laughs> Seems reasonable to me. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, hopefully it falls through. It's just now a matter of a ride. If they it's can in the get the ride, already. it's done. They just need the ride to South Korea. So good, it's a long car ride, a truck on. ride, and a boat. Sure. Okay. The Carolina Panthers, let's talk more undefeated teams, that moved to 3-0 for the first time since 2003. 
and banished the Saints to 0-3 on the strength of a 300-yard passing day from Cam Newton in a 27-22 win. Nice job by the Panthers. But, Greg, Mm. this feels like the Saints have slipped into the pro football abyss. Let's start there. That's true. And yet, they probably feel good about what happened today. That's not never good, by the way. I mean, they don't feel great, but Luke McCown plays fine in the game. Uh, Defensively, you basically, it happens what you expect to happen. The fact that they were competitive with Luke McCown at quarterback, I'm surprised. I thought it was going to be a blowout, and that's just where the Saints are. we talked about the Ravens. I think you can stick a fork in the Saints. I mean, thank you. you. I thought you were about to tell me that you know, no. be six and four and running. I mean, I should actually do it. I believe in something like mojo. I mean, the Ravens have negative mojo. It's kind of like the the Falcons. Once you start winning those close games, you start believing it. And right now, the Panthers are a team that are in close games and they're used to winning at this point, dating back to the end of last season. They know how to win ugly games. It's sort of what they do. Yeah. Uh, before we get to. Uh, Further talking about this game, I just want to check in something after the game that happened with Cam Newton and our boy Ed Hockley. This is what Cam had to say about a personal foul call that wasn't. The response that I got was, Cam, you're not old enough to get that call. So I'm looking at him like, what? Jesus, I didn't think you had to have seniority to get a personal foul or anything like that. But Cam has a, he has a point there. He puts it, the cam in camouflage. Yeah, I mean, he wore a camo. Cam wearing a ridiculous suit, two sizes A camo suit with a bow tie? Give me a break. Well, if I had cam, cam Newton. <laughs> I, well, yes, he is, perhaps. You see Ed Hockley Cam Newton, that? best body in the NFL. What a bod. Makes Kevin Patrick's bod like, like an old sludgy man. <laughs> However, uh, that suit's too small. Ed Hockley picked, did not throw a flag on a late hit. Was that what this was about? It, it wasn't even necessarily a bad call. It, it, he thought it was a late hit on a play where Cam Newton was outside the pocket. And Cam Newton even admitted he's not sure you know, if it was the right call or not, but he was really upset about the explanation. For what it's worth, uh, a league source did tell around the NFL, Ed Hockley Whoa. denies having said that. And the no. league also released the statement good saying bodies. that that it was basically the correct call that they didn't make. But that's not the point. You so can't Cam Newton's that. making that up? Right. I, 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 believe, I believe Cam on this one. You're a babe in the woods if you think that this hasn't been going on in the NFL and the NBA for decades and right. decades. The established players get the calls. Oh, can you even imagine, like, uh, well, Cam what's Newton's his name? established. What's he got to do? Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless tomorrow. They'll get two hours out of this. <laughs> I think we all know where this is headed. I think Cam Newton deserves a little credit. I know it was against the Saints, but 315 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, big factor in the running game, as always. I mean, he's got doesn't have a lot of weapons. Getting and done, 3-0. Their cornerback, Josh Norman, is headed toward a Pro Bowl season instigated by a fight with Mark Sessler. Oh, that's right. Listen, I'm happy <laughs> wow, what, a, what an interception he had today. <laughs> Good thing he's not on the Saints defense, which is one of the worst in the NFL right now. By the way, I do that um, NFL Now, that couch show with Dave Damashek and Ike Taylor and MJD. They just sit there for eight hours straight. Um, and Ike took exception with you having issues with Mike Shula. Were you aware of this, Greg? MJD, yes. Or is they, it MJD, they keep sorry. they keep bringing this up. Yeah, I, I'm not a big Mike Shula guy. They also have issues with any criticism of Ryan Mallett because they think he's a great quarterback. Wait, is Greg wrong? He's right. No, I'm just saying the, it was brought up specifically to me. And Still kind of bringing that up. Apropos of nothing, it came up. This was last Sunday. Uh, One thing about the Panthers: look who they their first four games: Jacksonville, Houston, New Orleans, and then next week they go to Tampa Bay. You couldn't dream up. Yep. An easier schedule. The four games after that, at Seattle, 
Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Green Bay. That's going to be a well, whole, that will, that's that's, a whole different story. But they, we talked about this before the show. They're playing their own division, which you got some stink bombs in there, and you're playing the AFC South. Stink bombs. I like that you're bringing that back. People haven't been referencing the stink bomb. Well, they now you have to with the way some of these, with the way the Saints <laughs> played today. That's stink bomb central. Do the kids have stink bombs anymore, or is it all I think now virtual? It's just, they would be watching yeah. someone light off stink bombs. On Feels TV. like an '80s, early '90s trope. Shoot a virtual stink bomb at you. Mm. Click the old send button. Now they kids just even rip on you on social media and make you feel bad. Yeah, they don't even know each other or play outside together anymore. There aren't moms <laughs> calling kids into dinner. They're already inside, like on their laptop. This is post society. And it's not kids. It's us. All right, moving on. The Houston Texans got back into the race in the AFC South. A 19-9 win at home over the lowly Tampa Bay Bucks. Mark, the Texans, uh, they weren't carried by the legend of Ryan Mallett, but rather the unstoppable Alfred Blue. Tell us stories. Well, there's a lot of myth in what you just said. I, these, <laughs> this was, I asked Greg, and I'm, I'm not complaining. I said, I want to watch some bad games today so I can watch some better games on Game Pass. You requested this. I requested this. That is and weird. I paid the price because this was an absolute disaster for the eyes. Uh, it was bad. Ryan Mallett is not a good quarterback. The Texans know that. You know, they, it, it's like John McClain tweeted out about three quarters in. They just stink. They had four, three drives <laughs> well, in the Well, John first McClain's half. been saying that for like five well, straight years. Well, he's but, absolutely yeah, accurate. Yeah. They had three drives in the first half where they started inside the opponent's 40 and mm. got no points out of them. They just can't get it done. And you're playing a Tampa Bay defense that cover two, Lovey's cover two, which is about an ancient dinosaur at this point. They, they made them look good. Did um, my prediction of the first J.J. Watt offensive touchdown come true? Uh, it did not. Oh. They could have used him. Did they try anything with him? Uh, they did not. They that. could have tried a little bit more with that. They did not. They did not very creative on offense. You know, they, they need Arian Foster back. But Alfred Blue did. Here's, he had 139 yards. Here's a tweet from J.J. Watt. Simply win, period. Whatever, wow. bro. He's not going to be tweeting is, that much. Alfred Blue's confusing. He has two games over 130 yards in his career and averages under three yards per carry <laughs> on the other 17 games in his career. Well, one came against Tampa Bay today. The other, I believe, came against Cleveland's yes, last-ranked run defense. So he's good against bad teams. Exactly. I like, I like Dan calling this the, the AFC South race that they're back into. It's a real sprint to <laughs> Everyone's one, one and to two. One I win. think I might have lifted that from Mark's copy. So. <laughs> well, Go I, to him I should have put quotes around that. <laughs> I think, I'm just saying, it's, they're not exactly running too fast here. Who, all they have, by who's the way, first the seven-win team? Aaron Foster is going to be back in a few weeks. I'm not going to get excited about this Texans team. We no, don't know not. what the problem is. But I think it would be around 500 when Foster gets back in a weak division. Maybe they can hang around. Sure. No chance. They have terrible quarterbacks. Who's the best team in the division? The Colts. And the Colts have problems. I think last year's Texans they have a quarterback. this year's Texans. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Ryan Fitzpatrick's way better than Hoyer and, and Mallet, which is terrible to say. Depressing. Depressing on many levels. How about Jameis Winston? What do we see from him? Mark? Well, it's, it, the box score looks awfully. at 19 incompletions for on, a, you know, on, a, on a relatively ineffective offense. But what I liked about him, there, there were more than a few times that he took shots downfield and he made good use of Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans. Evans especially. There were a couple plays that got called back by flags where – his numbers would have looked much better. There were, he also showed good, against the pass rush, he, was, he showed some escapability. I thought he, he got away from pass rushers and aggressively made throws downfield, completing some of them. He looked better 
than he has in some of the other games. And I, 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 it's not he's a lost cause. He's I mean, had seven and a half yards per attempt for the season so far. I mean, he, he's not yeah. off to Listen, a bad, bad Well, we thought he, we, he was going to do that this year. We thought he was going to push it downfield and throw a lot of picks, and that's probably what's going to happen. One other thing, speaking of offseason narratives that we get sucked into, um, Doug Martin, I'm looking 14 for 46, 3.3 yards a carry. Is he, how does he look to you? I mean, most of that came on. There was he had like a 17-yard run. He mm. he was he was bottled up. I mean, the Texans. The one thing they they do, they seem to do well is shut down the run. They're not the same way against the pass. But when you've got Watt, Clowney, and you got Vince Wolfork, they they took care of him today. So, I was wrong about J.J. Watt. Well, yes, it's not that you're wrong all season. You were wrong this week. This is what Sorry. I was right about. The New England Patriots dropped a 50 burger, baby. Hit me, TD. Oh no. Wait, do we get our theme song? <laughs> Young Monday. Dan's great. wild predictions. Julio Jones is good and the Patriots will score against the Jaguars. Uh, by the way. How come we don't get we don't get songs when our bold predictions go right? Well, you have to be iconic. What can I tell you? I mean, uh, what do you want from me? Listen, when you make a prediction of a 50-burger, there aren't too many during the season. I got it. Because the New England Patriots offense stayed hot on Sunday, cruising to a 51-17 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ah, forget about the Jaguars. Wes, the Pats never punted in this game. How did they make it look so easy against the Jag who? Well, it's like, you know, the point Mark was making. This was easy to predict. Whatever, I'm the only one that did. And Connor Orr, not to bag on Connor, but predicted this would be a one-score game. So totally to bag on Connor. Yeah, well, well I can go through your bold predictions too. That's right. Well, Tom Brady's playing great. Gronk is one of the best football players on the planet. Julie Edelman's great. Deion Lewis remains a great weapon. I don't know what else to tell you. They build a big lead, and then they turn it over to LeGarrette Blunt and have him smash people. It's amazing that Tom Brady now, I believe this was his ninth game over 50 points, for his career, which is more than 19 different NFL franchises. That's an amazing stat. Woo! Well, they've had the 2007 offense is one of the most iconic offenses in history. He's on pace for almost 1,200 more yards this year than, they, than he had in that year. You're going to get a little bit more of that talk now. They play the Cowboys next week, I believe. Uh, actually, I think they have a bye and then the Cowboys. So you're, you're going to get them deep into the season mm. with some nice little offensive numbers and people talking about 2006. I don't see this offense slowing down. Scott Fajita, the old Saints linebacker, Browns linebacker, said it's the most methodical, efficient offense he's seen since he's been playing against them and following that, them out of the Patriots. That was the other part of my bold prediction, which is bold whether you guys give me credit or not, that this will be the week now where we start hearing this talk about is this Patriots offense up to snuff with all those oh. other teams. Oh, how great this we'll is. We'll be lucky to hear that talk. Instead, you're going to hear, well, what about them running up the score <laughs> I don't, on I, professional football players? Give I don't me know a who's break. saying that. I mean, I think, Dan, that is the part of your prediction that you were dead on about because... No, it was both I was dead on about. Well, okay. I guess I'm a little less concerned about the first half of that because they, they're rolling up 40-something points every week. But, Greg, I mean... You you kind of checked out from the Patriots after the Super Bowl win. You they've sort of done everything they a lot could of do. checking out going on around. And here, you got to realize, I mean, they're they've got to be looked at as the AFC favorite to go right back to the Super Bowl and do it again. I mean, where's where are you? I'm I'm enjoying it. Of course I, you are. I didn't check it's it. It's on I the throne of why, why why wouldn't I? This is life it. on it's, the throne. It's of great. Ease. I do I do remember that the way they start season doesn't necessarily have much of a connection with the way they end season. So it's fun to see. But in 2007, when they entered the playoffs, they weren't playing any better than six or seven 
Patriots. Well, they were eighteen and zero at one point. So. Right, I know, but at, by the time they got to December, they were not nearly as good a team. My point is, that must have been really hard for seasons. you. You know, oh, I mean, they're going to struggle in these games. My, I don't have a narrative. I don't need to have a narrative. Well, when just, they were eighteen and zero, they weren't playing as well. I mean, they weren't like, playing great in December and into the playoffs that year. I think that well, I think they anyone will watch it. Play away from going 19-0 and and be one of the greatest sure. teams of, the, of any sport anywhere. Absolutely. My point is they've gone into the playoffs in 2010, in 2014, in 2012. Like, those are those were all good teams, too. How do you keep track of all the playoff teams? I, I mean, Greg, we feel for you. Yeah. I thought the use of Deion Lewis today was interesting, too. Bill Belichick basically conceding that he's – how valuable he is. LeGarrette Blunt didn't see a snap in the first quarter. Nobody did except Deion Lewis. While the game was in reach, Lewis was the every down back. And then as soon as it gets to be a blowout, Belichick's like, this guy's too valuable to risk injuring. I'm going to put him blunt and kill the clock. When Wes sees Deion Lewis on Tinder, swipe right. (laughs) He's in the stable. loving this guy. He's in the stable of boys. I'm just pointing out how good he's been. Coffee, Deion Lewis. A lot of undefeated teams, but the Patriots might be the best, at least in the AFC. Now, this is the part of the show where we say hi to our friend. She's from NFL Now. She has blonde hair. Uh, she has three syllables in her name, first and last. She <laughs> is very successful, and we like her. She is Colleen Wolf. Oh, look at this. <laughs> this is Colleen just putting Colleen the thumbs hands. up behind the glass, like, how is this happening to me? <laughs> TD, in his mind, wanted to have a scenario. And first, I like it. I love the song. Young Monday. Check out his stuff at Young Monday. I think it's the only song he's ever released, but it's you know it's it's a killer. Uh, TD wanted Colleen to be dancing as well, but it just didn't happen. TD, what happened there? I don't know. Colleen let me down. It's all good though. All right, Colleen, can you join us and maybe we can work past this? There it is, and you you know when you hear you hear the howl, wow. it can only be one thing. Colleen Wolf yes. is in the studio. Studio 66, welcome back to the Around the NFL podcast, it's Colleen. It's great to be back, guys. Good to have you. Yeah. I mean, listen, when Colleen comes in, she brings in a ray of sunshine. And let's face it, the blood red moon tonight. Mm. It is. I'm excited about it. Are you? I'm finally, ha- I'm happy I have someone to talk about the blood moon. I, d- I did not realize, Dan, that you were like plugged into lunar cycles. It's a big what does this heard mean a word for your life? I don't know, but it is exciting. It's, it doesn't happen a lot, and Colleen referenced it before she came on, so now I feel energized. Mm-hmm. Blood moon. Blood moon stuff. Get behind it. Greg, your thoughts? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. Let's just go. Let's, talk, let's get right into games, Colleen. You're going to help us out a little bit. We're going to talk some football with you. Feel free to jump in whatever. You know All how right. it goes now. Great. All right, let's start with your native Philadelphia region. We'll start with that team, the Eagles, who are in the win column. Chip Kelly's team took advantage of four Jets turnovers and a 24-17 win at the Meadowlands. And uh, listen, if you're a Jets fan, this cannot surprise you. This was the typical Jets performance. You win two games in a row. You get the fan base excited. You get a winless team coming into your building. And you lay an egg. That's what they did. Four turnovers. To the Eagles' credit, they took advantage of the Jets' sloppy play. And there you go. The Eagles, one and two, avoid a killer 0-3 start. Uh, Sam Bradford plays okay. Could have been better with some better uh, uh, hands by his running backs, who otherwise played very well. But the Eagles are in the win column, and the Jets fall 2-1. and one. Uh, Colleen, what are your thoughts? Man, I did not expect this at all. I thought for sure, just watching the Eagles the last two weeks and then seeing how the Jets' defense was, that this was going to be a complete and total embarrassment 
But somehow it was not. And Ryan Matthews, he did great. He, I mean, besides the fumble, and that almost really, he almost gave the game away. He's lucky that that didn't happen. But he was effective. Sproles looked really good on that punt return. Then you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who threw for 58 times. I mean, he just keeps throwing the ball. Plus, Brandon Marshall. The lateral to no one? Yeah, Brandon Marshall... Brandon Marshall, this is why you never trust the box score, because Brandon Marshall had uh, over 100 yards again, had a touchdown for the third straight game, and yes, he gives the Jets a legitimate number one, but he contributed a big time to the loss. He had, as you'll see on blooper reels, um, his Jets initiation moment at a 17 nothing attempts a lateral after a long reception that gets recovered by the Eagles, and they go in and score to put the game away at the end of the second quarter. And then at the end of the game, with the Jets uh, trailing by two scores, uh, Marshall lets a pass go right through his fingers that results in a Ryan Fitzpatrick interception that basically seals the game late in the, in the fourth quarter. And here's the problem, Greg, and I think all of us have, have talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick and a man that has limitations as a passer. They can't fall behind like this because he simply doesn't have the skills to bring a team back with his arm. He cannot go downfield. Uh, granted, there was no Eric Decker, which hurt. Chris Ivory didn't play. He was uh, too beat up, and they couldn't run the ball, which didn't help matters. But when he has to go downfield and he has to put it in tight spaces, he simply can't, and that's uh, poison for a team that falls behind a couple scores. Well, they didn't win the tur- They didn't get five turnovers in a game for the first time. I mean, you can't win that way each week. Instead, this time, they were on the other side of it. They really haven't had a game all season where if you look at the yardage where there was much difference between them and the other team. I mean, the Eagles won because they had turnovers. Sam Bradford had 4.2 yards per attempt. I don't know if anyone watching this game, like, do you feel better about Sam Bradford a little. at, at all? The Gabbards, so. a li- no, a little bit because I mean, that's terrible. 4. Darren Sproles dropped a uh, perfectly pay- placed pass that would have been an 80-yard touchdown, and then his stats look totally different. But uh, and Bradford also, you know, he had moments where he didn't look good at all. But this was an improvement from uh, week two to week three, which, granted, isn't saying a lot. But you're not going to hear anything about Mark Sanchez this Plus week. Plus, the offensive line looked better, too. For the I mean, they had 108 yards passing. That's not NFL level. So I think no. in Philadelphia, that's going to give them a talking point this week. But they least, did right? run the ball finally. Here's it, a, you know, that's the difference. They here's the thing. The, the, the Eagles have the defending offensive player of the year on their team. Didn't play with a hamstring injury today, and they were better without him. Mm. This team with Darren Sproles and Ryan Matthews, that's a fine one-two punch, and that's really all they need. I'm not even sure. I can imagine them being like, DeMarco, take it easy. Make sure you get all the way back because they're not, they're not hurting for DeMarco Murray. It's only three games, but the game film shows that DeMarco Murray is a $40 million boondoggle. I mean, you're giving, <laughs> you're giving this guy the ball. Ouch. They're terrible in the two games he played, and he looks like the slowest running back in the league. And then in the one game he doesn't play, Ryan Matthews looks like he's a great fit for the offense that's, against a good front seven. That's the name of the NFL film's uh, end of the year yearbook, you know, that they do, the $40 million boondoggle. I don't know why it's all about DeMarco Murray. I find it funny that, like, Jets players were saying that they were part of a crowd that were saying that the Eagles, the way they run, it's relatively simple and that teams have caught up and you know when they line up a certain way what they're going to do. 
But then they were, are the ones that went up and gave up 123 yards, what I thought was the best run defense in the league. The Jets, actually, if you look game to game for the Jets defensively against the run, they haven't been great. Even on Monday night against the Colts, they should have. They were having issues with Frank Gore, but Pep Hamilton didn't do, do a good job with his game plan at all, I thought. So I think that's something to keep an eye on with them. I mean, listen, this is, this is a team that's not going to blow anybody out, and if they fall behind, if they fall behind they're done. I like they're, that it didn't take long to ask uh, whether Ryan Fitzpatrick is still their quarterback. And he is. Todd Bowles said yes, but... For now. Gino, come on. Their formula is the same as the Bills. You have to get up early, run the ball, and... Your quarterback should only throw it 25 or 30 times a game. Chip Kelly's got to be really relieved, too, because the city would have just imploded oh, if they started 0-3. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. All right, let's move on. This is not a drill. The Oakland Raiders have a winning record in late September, led by another strong performance from Derek Carr. The Raiders jumped out to a big lead, held on late, a 27-20 win over the Cleveland Browns. Colleen, the Raiders, they're not a total embarrassment. They're 2-1, and one, and they're playing the Bears next week, so they Whoa. can theoretically Whoa. be 3-1, and one, yeah. which is insane. Derek Carr, he looked pretty good. He had some nice throws, and he wasn't sacked at all, which the Browns wow. the week before had sacked Mariota seven times, I think. Mm. So that was an improvement. Latavius Murray, he had his best game yet yardage-wise, 134 yards. And then you have the Oakland defense that sacked McCown five times. Mm. All I heard about all afternoon was Amari Cooper. He must have looked phenomenal. Yeah, he was great, too. I think he had about, oh, God, he had this catch. It was a 40-yard catch, one-on-one against Joe Hayden. It was beautiful. He beat him straight up. He did not have a touchdown, but he did have 134 receiving yards. He had a big day. I might be eating some crow on, on Derek Carr in jump, terms jump, of jump, how jump. he's playing so far this year, obviously coming off a good game. You know, this is this was another one. But part of it is, you know, he has guys, people making plays for him. Cooper making plays for him. Michael Crabtree could turn out to be one of the better free agent bargains of the year. He didn't do a lot today, um, but he's a factor. And I, and I really would be in crow about Bill Musgrave because that was the part of the whole equation I didn't really get. Bill Musgrave and changing the offense – uh, you know, when you change coaches, he has almost no history of success as an offensive coordinator, but they're dialing up some big plays. Last year, it's all dink and dunk, and this year, they're getting some big plays. Mark, as a vegetarian, what is the equivalent of eating crow? Number one. I mean, it would be like a bird made out of, like, uh, tomatoes and weeds. Weird. And number two, <laughs> number two, are you uh, missing the Cleveland Browns so far? Well, I've watched every one of their games, and my problem with the Browns, and this is we talked about Kyle Shanahan and what he's good at mm-hmm. and what his absence means for this team. Last year, you had the maybe third, fourth, second, third, best, fourth line in the game. You pounded people with your line. You ran the ball well with Isaiah Crowell, and you beat teams up. And last week, they went out, and they also played well on defense with sacks, and they were able to stop the run. Everything you say that you're going to be in this offseason, you know, we don't have a quarterback, but we're going to be tough on both lines, play like a Brown, blah, blah, blah. Well, what I see is Joe Hayden can't cover Brandon Marshall, and he can't cover Amari Cooper. What is All right. This? Is he the most overrated cornerback in the I, NFL? For the way he is hoisted up, and when you put him in, if it's not A.J. Green, he has problem with a lot of receivers. They cannot run the ball. They run the ball for 39 yards today. You get no sacks. This is a, this, you're at home against the Raiders, and you blow the game. Not to mention, they were driving down the field to try and tie the game, and Josh McCown throws a pick. Charles Woodson, who's going to be mm. 39 next week. He's had an interception in 18 straight seasons, tying Daryl Green. Uh, you know... <laughs> What's so funny? That was a good stat. No, that was great. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, Don't be defensive about your stat. What that was, was wrong with that it stat? It was amazing. You just, all right, I'm getting out of here. You, you have a, pivoted on that stat. They're a humorous delivery. We were just, you know, 
That's Riding true. your way. Play, can you play his theme song again? To make <laughs> Please. We need to no, make it to the end of the show. The reason, so this will give me my energy back, but uh, I had a really nice follow-up point uh, about this game, but then when you guys all chuckled at my Charles Wentz thing. fandom. It wasn't, actually, but mm. since you brought it up, uh, <laughs> I will say that, you know, as the last fan standing at the Around the NFL podcast, um, I'm supportive of the Jets, uh, and a loss like this stinks. The Eagles, that was a terrible loss at home. And this is where the frustration comes for me a little bit, Mark, is that you get to skate by and not have to deal with this loss. It, I, I have to the say Raiders, this. It's a weird way to look I at things. I have to say this every podcast. It's not about you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> and I still do feel, I don't, it's frustrating. Yeah. It, it I, bothers me. I don't like seeing them crumble this way. This was a chance for us to talk about them as the 2 in one team, but they can't get it done. They're not the team that can get it done. We talked about our theory before the podcast. I mean, I think the anger or the frustration with the, the Browns it's now just coming out in other areas. So, like, you're you're getting more angry about the Ravens. There's a lot of things. hot takes. Very few yeah, of them are accurate. My theory is that, yeah, the anger has to go somewhere, and it's gone in the direction of the Ravens, who you read har- root heartily against every Sunday, more well, than ever before. Changed, and then Peyton Manning, who's an old man. <laughs> he's basically a senior citizen abuse, the way <laughs> you go after Peyton Manning <laughs> I, now. It's not like it's a new thing like, that I don't like the Ravens. Peyton Manning it's is like in a bit of decline, but you seem to really revel in it. That's I, heard, if you, you can just keep he's, creating narratives that aren't even accurate. Go for it. <laughs> Mark and I feel the same way. He's not. A, he's no longer longer a fun quarterback to watch. That's and why it's like, go get a lot of together? Why does it have to be heresy to say that? No, no, of course he's, he's not. I mean, he's, I find it fun just because it's different. It's like, well, I've seen exactly I, what Peyton Manning is for a while. This is fun. A little bit. But th- we're it getting ahead so of ourselves. It is insane. We should just give the Raiders a lot of credit. For that 469 yards of offense after the performance they had last week and thinking this was what the Browns were supposed to be halfway decent at, a home defense. To put up that many yards is crazy. It's humbling. I, I remembered what I was going to say now. You mentioned play like a Brown, and this isn't really a shot at Mike Pettin or anything, but like, can we just put to, put to bed all these teams, these disciples from other coaching trees, then t- go, going somewhere yes. and be like, play like a Raven, play like a Jet, play like a Bill, play like a Brown. That stuff is predicated on like some type of rich history. The Browns are literally have the le- least amount of history of any team in the league from '99 on. There's no play like a Brown. Right? right don't. Now. Pl- it should be don't play like a Brown. Yeah, well, it should be literally. Up to now, the that's exactly right. Stop playing like every Brown before you. Start playing like someone. Play like else. a Brown means literally suck. Right. Play like a Jet is also <laughs> well, not suck. literally. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not literally. Plus, it's like, hey, hey, Mike, we watched. Hard knocks. That was Rex's thing. We know that's all over the Jets. And Rex like, just come up with a different forward slogan. Coaches do this. We know that. Yeah. Went for it on fourth and goal today, guys. He did. Well, that's yeah. good. It's more you he can did. say for John Fox. Progress. Let's move on uh, to the Seattle Seahawks, a team that desperately needed a win, and they got it. Uh, because, listen, when you get to play the Bears in 2015, it's as close to a gimme as you can get. A 26 to nothing win at Wes. Clink? No. <laughs> well, well, yes. Yeah, that's, that's what right. the locals right, yep. call it. Come Century on, Dan. Yep, Alex Trebek would give that to him. It's, that's correct. Mark, nobody gave the Dakota the Dakota Clawson Bears a chance in Seattle, and everybody was right. Dakota Clawson, is that the quarterback? I thought uh, it was Matt. Oh, Matt. Yeah, it's, the last name is Clawson. Jimmy. James? He was a zero factor, threw for 63 yards in the game, 10 possessions, mm. 10 punts. This game was over. I mean, it was over before it began. At three nothing, it was over. They, I, yeah, there, there was not a moment where the Bears threatened on any level, and it was very frustrating to watch because number one, you got nothing to lose if you're the Chicago Bears. John Fox could not have rolled out and Adam Gase a more conservative game plan that what they said. Once we're down ten nothing, 
We're just going to sit on the ball. We're not going to win this game. We know it. And that's how they prepared on offense and looked the entire way. Mm-hmm. Not one thing happened on offense that suggested we are going to try to change this, do something we didn't expect, get aggressive. They did literally zilch. It's it an depressing. unpardonable sin. Absolutely. You're just going to punt a game in the NFL, well, not even try well, to win. When we saw John Fox punt down 25 points or whatever it was, past midfield. Get him out of here. Take su- his coaching job away. Get Bowl. him out of here. That was in the Super Bowl. We know he's going to do it in week four. I mean, he's just counting them this paychecks. brilliant, though, also. They <laughs> punted on 10 straight possessions. Yes. 10 straight they possessions. punted what? <laughs> yeah. At midfield on fourth and one, down 20 points. Give me a break with totally, that. Totally outclassed. A bad job by John Fox, but also the best thing he can do. Bottom out. Go 2-14. and 14, Go 1-15. and 15, Ship Jay Cutler out of town. Get the top quarterback in the draft in your building and see if you can make a start of it new, something fresh. They need Fair. to reboot the machine. So do not win six games this year. Go they, in the tank. They are, they are on the list to get that quarterback. This wasn't even his worst coaching job against the Seahawks. <laughs> Wes's boy, by the way, uh, Thomas Rawls. That's my boy. Leading the way when Lou Rawls get knocked out. You'll never good. find. We should first of all. That was an allusion to Super Bowl Forty Eight, which with John Fox's Nadir as a coach, that was not pretty. TD in my ear telling me he wants me to point out a Sierra tweet. Mm. Uh, oh, give me a break! Yes, Why? The, the girlfriend of, uh, of uh, Russell Wilson. She's a pop star. Go, Mister Number Three. Go at Seahawks. Hashtag Go Hawks. Uh, more, we need more. T- more Thomas Rawls, less Sierra. Tini, why are you so fascinated by that relationship? I'm not fascinated by it, guys. I'm sorry that I'm trying to be you guys closest to the world today. I'm sorry. <laughs> talk about football all you want. Just talk about football. The only thing you're attached to culturally is soccer and Sierra's <laughs> re- fake relationship with Russell Wilson, who's a human true. robot. Uh, you know I have issues with that relationship. A lot of issues. But I'm just, just keeping... What's going on with your relationship? Are you back with that girl? Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you getting personal now? Yeah. That's a personal question? I know. Well, if we're going to talk about relationships. You're gonna, if you're going to throw in Sierra t- tweets, you got to get ready for it. Well, TD oh, had a girlfriend that was uh, lived like an hour away and I think broke it off. And then I heard some rumors that they were back together. Where are you at? All right, guys. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's look some Russell Wilson here. <laughs> That's what you get for bringing <laughs> up Sierra. All right. This John Fox this John yes. Fox coach team, there's some sentiment out here that they've had some tough breaks and they've played guys close. 0-3 with a minus 49-point differential, the, lo- the most in the NFL. So they're the worst team. Stop with this. They're not that bad stuff. No, Did you guys not. see the Bears fan that just took his jersey off and left the game? These afternoon games were so awful. At one point, the winners were outscoring their opponents 105 to 14. Mm. Grim. It was right. I wonder, the the one takeaway now I have just kind of looking at this game is, is Marshawn Lynch not being ready for the game, which always happens, which is bizarre, and not being able to finish the game. And if you look at what he's done the first couple of weeks, like he, has not, he has not looked quite like Marshawn Lynch. I know the offensive line's a problem, too, but long-term... We thought that last September, that. too, right? Yeah. And then he played yeah. great. He spent yeah. half of September on an exercise bike last year. Yeah. He was not he healthy. Had he, was, he wasn't checked 17. in. Yeah. Worst game, had, I mean, he didn't play the second half, but worst rushing total since 2011. Not to mm-hmm. impugn on the professionalism or integrity of Jay Cutler, but can't you totally see him like being like, ah, hamstring's still bothering me, coach. I'll take another month off. Well, <laughs> if the coach is punting games, why does he care if the quarterback's going to punt a game? That's true. All right, let's move on. The Minnesota Vikings harassed Phillip Rivers into two turnovers and a 31-14 home win over the Chargers. Colleen, Adrian Peterson, AP, AD all day. I don't know what you you call him. Let's just go with AP. Delivered a vintage performance, didn't he? He did, and he actually didn't really get going until 
later in the game. Um, but it was sort of the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater, too. They both kind of had these, like, sluggish starts. And then it was like they clicked at the same time. I feel like they need each other. Mm. And, well, yeah. definitely Teddy Bridgewater needs AP. But, I mean, he had this 43-yard touchdown, and he just ran straight over Eric Weddle. I mean, and I feel like I'm sensing a trend. With Does that. he still have the with Eric Weddle or with Peterson? Weddle. Yeah, mm. I think uh, he might be protecting himself a little. He's, he wants ooh. a contract. Making business, business decisions? decisions? Yeah. Making business decisions. Wow. wow. Um, that's a couple times a season that's happened. Does Adrian Peterson still have the top shelf speed that he once had? Or is he doing it more? Combination of talent and a little bit of guile. He looks like, like the exact same to me except that long pass he had last week. He didn't have like that fifth yeah. gear. But his explosiveness between like the 10-yard short shuttle burst He's got that, definitely. His big plays have been to the outside. He had a couple where he gets that Adrian Peterson gallop going. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Where he just starts going around the corner. I mean, that's where his big plays have been so far. Are we a little disappointed, Colleen, by what we've seen from Teddy Bridgewater this year? I mean, I kind of I had a little bit higher of expectations for him so I think a far, lot of us did. But I think when AP is in there and doing well, he does. So as long as they're not calling passes right out of the gate, then they, they sort of need to adjust to that and see that and not force it with Teddy because you can tell that he needs to be a game manager and lean on the run. I'm surprised by that, though, because I thought late last year he had games where there was no Adrian Peterson and there wasn't always a run game. And he played better than Derek Carr. He played better than a lot of the young quarterbacks. And it's not a regression, but it yeah. seems like the offense has obviously changed completely. Well, it's two out of three games he's, he's struggled. Last week he was just about perfect. But, you know, he had an interception early in this game. He should have had a couple. He was playing poorly, and it didn't matter. I'm more disappointed that Chargers didn't take advantage of the slow start by Minnesota, and they ended up getting blasted. This offense, I know we talk a lot about bad offensive lines, but I think the Chargers' offensive line is at a point where they're just, like, not operable as an offense. And it's, making, it's like holding the whole team back. Yeah, and I think with Teddy, too, Jason Verrett, he left with an injury, and then Brandon Flowers, he was already not playing, so that also helped him, too, later in the game. Hmm. All right, and uh, let's move to what did we learn from Thursday on the podcast? Is it Miami... Where's the Where's the Dolphin Stadium? It's, uh, it's like Palm Gardens. Miami Gardens. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale. Oh, yeah. Something Fort like that. Yeah. The Buffalo Bills went down to Miami, got their doors blown off. Uh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> really struggling here with this game. The Buffalo Bills went down to Miami and blew the doors off the listless Dolphins, jumping out to a 27-0 lead and coasting to a 41-14 win. Wes. The Dolphins have all the makings of a preseason darling turned regular season dud. Well, and this is another one that Dan Hans has called. I oh, mean, just to saucy. Just to tell the truth here, Dan never had any faith in Joe Philbin. Snakes. And if you listen to Handsome Hank, Henry Hodgson, our DOP, Quite downstairs, he, was, he had a couple of tweets during the game that was just basically no leadership. They're getting nothing from their head coach. The offense isn't doing anything. And Dominican Sue is paid a lot of money, but he's not showing any leadership. This team is listless. Their offensive line is a huge disaster, which when's the last time we talked about the Dolphins and that wasn't the case? It seems like every year the offensive line is holding yeah. them back. There's no sustaining element to this offense whatsoever because they can't establish a, a ground game, and Ryan Tannehill still can't pass beyond 20 yards. Especially with, the, um, with Brandon Albert down, too. Right. That, that was a huge loss, and I don't think it gets a lot lower 
than getting drubbed by 27 points at home and watching Ricky, Richie Incognito laughing it up after the game Oof. on the field, talking to old old friends and some old coaches. And I just saw that shot, and I thought, if I'm a Dolphins fan watching that, you know, I'm not watching any more Dolphins. Who was named captain today by Rex, of Ooh, course. I love Naturally. That. Oh, Very rarely is there a decision made in football that you're 100% sure, and collectively everyone agrees, is a terrible decision. And what happened, I think it was week 17 last year, when Stephen Ross announced that Joe Philbin was coming back, I think everybody was like, wait, what? Because three years without the playoffs, they brought him back, spent all this money, but it's the same systemic problems because Joe Philbin is not a leader uh, at this level as a head coach, and it's clearly coming out. This team is, we talked about in the preseason that this could be a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense, and they're not close in either realm. What's confusing is that they have the talent. They've got guys like Rashard Matthews who – has been buried on their bench for two years because Joe Philbin doesn't like him. And he's got back-to-back 113-yard games. Today he had two touchdowns. They've got Jarvis Landry, who's good. Jordan Cameron's a very good tight end. They've got great pieces, and they can't put it all together. Well, this is the point last season. Joe Philbin threatened, essentially, to bench Ryan Tannehill right before they went to London. They're going to London this week. He should pull that move again. Just, Just threaten to bench him. He should doesn't, yank himself. Doesn't some of this fall on, and I hate to say this, but Bill Lazor? I mean, it was four weeks ago that we were saying, why aren't 25 teams running the Eagles offense because we're so enamored with it? And maybe we have our answer. It's, it's, this is Miami's version of it, and it's not working at all. Well, I would put that at the feet of the offensive line. They just well, can't get anything going. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy they're giving up the way. We should give some credit to the Bills here. I mean, that's a big bounce-back performance. Tyrod Taylor, big game. And it's crazy that Carlos Williams has 110 yards on 12 carries in this game, while the guy making $11 million uh, and is not healthy had 16 yards on 11 carries. That only happens in football. There's no NBA scenario where, like, the guy making $20 million a year doesn't do anything, and the guy But he is nothing. not healthy. That's, I mean, Rex oh, is that, playing a one That's one fine. He's out on the field, and he looked well, pretty good last week. By the way, more evidence of my narrative, as you say it, Mark, that your anger for the Browns is going elsewhere. You're really down on Rex Ryan. You don't like him at all. Mm. Personally, had it hurt to see Rex out coaching Bill Lazor, who's your boy. I thought, I thought Ryan, this is the kind of game where if he wants to show the Bills fans, like, we are plugged in and we're, we aren't just the team from last week, this is a perfect game. He did a great job of coaching this. On the on the way in the way turf and like this is a big bounce game bounce back game for Rex Ryan. Not gonna rip like the guy shred for that. Well, Another narrative just Jan, you well, can keep floating me your what? It's week three. We can we can reassess each week. Rex that Ryan did a good job. That didn't sound today. genuine, those comments. Mm-hmm. I think the rage boils within. Listen, Tyrod Taylor, we are gonna get out of here without talking about what he did. Twenty one for twenty nine. Who watched this thing closely? Did a good job. I watched it closely. He did a very good job. <laughs> First quarter action. Half the show is trying to de- get a defend against this attack from Dan all show long. What I He's got the fire in his eyes. It's nonsense. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor, first Bills quarterback since 1991, Jim Kelly, to start a season with seven touchdowns and a mm. 70% completion rate. He played very well today. Had a rough spot in the third quarter, but played really well for the most part. I like this AFC East out-of-division schedule. That's why I had the Bills in the playoffs before the season. And I think they're, they're going to be the team. I know the Jets have looked okay so far. But I think the whole AFC East has an opportunity because the out-of-division schedule is nice. 
especially for the non-Patriots teams, to ride, you know, 10 or 11 wins even if they don't win the division. Well, Greg knows that they're gonna, the Patriots are going to keep dropping bombs on each one of these teams. So None of it matters. Worry about. <laughs> these other AFC's teams could end up winning 11 games and feel good about themselves, and they'll still finish four games behind the Patriots. The Bills have the longest playoff drought in professional sports, is that right? Or just in the NFL? At least the NFL. Either way, it's, it's, a, it's a long time. So they'd be happy with the playoffs. Colleen, we have to say goodbye to you now. All right. Uh, we love having you on the show. Real. Here's here's a here's a plan. Come back again next week. All right. It's not Great. easy. That was You're fantastic. By the way, you can check out Colleen on NFL Now. She's she's doing some doing great work over there. So the wolf will now scurry off to that end of the world, and she'll be back again next week. Thank you, Colleen. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Out goes Colleen, and now we talk about the final game of Sunday, Sunday Night Football, a matchup between the Broncos and the Lions, and a game which you think the Lions need in their building that maybe they'll show up, get the job done. doesn't work out that way because Peyton Manning throws for 324 yards and two touchdowns, and the Broncos continue their stifling defense and route to a 24-12 victory over the now 0-3 Lions. And... Uh, you know, what we saw again today, Greg, uh, was Gary Kubiak saying, okay, I know it doesn't work with 39-year-old Peyton Manning. Let's let Peyton do some Peyton things. And not, again, he's not 2013 Manning, but he, he's doing enough and the defense is doing the rest. Little pistol formation back in our lives, which is good. Plus 324 yards. I mean, a much better statistical game. And when I think of this game, I think these two teams have been as consistent as any two teams in the entire league so far this year. Basically, every Broncos game has been the same. The defense dominates, and the offense, which is slowly getting better, does enough to win. And every Lions game is the same, which is the offensive line plays terrible, and their defense isn't good enough anymore to make up for it, and they can't run the ball. And now they're 0-3. Yeah, the team Lions- every week. Yeah, the Lions are disappointing. We couldn't have known that they would be without DeAndre Levy, and sure. we didn't know the offensive line was this problematic. But their inability to consistently move the ball is, I mean, Matthew Stafford, when, when's he going to show us that he's better than Andy Dalton? Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, we, DeAndre Levy is part of it, but the offense has a lot of parts and it's not it, working. I, it's ridiculous. This is a terrible job by the Lions without terrible. Levy, of course. But you need to man up in your building on Sunday night staring down 0-3 and deliver a performance. And that's why I picked the Lions. I don't even like this Lions team. I hate the way they looked in the first two weeks, but I thought – if anything, they'll show a little spine and get a win to stay alive this season. And now they fall to 0-3. And here's the scary thing now, If you're going back to the Broncos. Their defense, I don't think anybody doubts this is a real-deal defense, the best Broncos defense maybe ever uh, potentially here. And if Peyton Manning can just is figuring it out, and he, again, he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns, but if he's figuring it out and this offense becomes proficient, they couldn't run the ball at all today, but... If they could just figure it out enough and be a top 15 offense and a number top three defense, this team is really good. Big props, though, to Kubiak because there was, you know, comments that were shaded in the way of, I'm not going to change what I know and what works for me. But then that changed more as the game drew closer. I give him, you know, flexibility as a coach in today's NFL is so important for guys that came from other schemes. The league is changing. You've got to put Manning in a place to succeed. If they didn't do that, Denver would have melted. I mean, this this city would have gone crazy. You think Chip Kelly would be abandoning his offensive <laughs> scheme after two weeks? I don't know. You know that Denver defense is special when David Bruton is making big plays Bruto. week after week. I mean, the interception 
uh, that he made in the fourth quarter was an incredible play and was at the point in the game where the, the outcome is certainly in doubt. He's made big plays each week. Guys like Brandon Marshall's making big plays each week. And then the stars are playing like stars. DeMarcus Ware, to this point, I would say has been the best outside pass rusher in the NFL. It, it, he's not, like we talked about Steve Smith earlier. Justin the receiver. Houston. He's I don't know. So far this year, in terms of each game, and Houston's got to play his third game, Ware has been on fire three straight games. Talking about Peyton Manning figuring things out, I think one thing I noticed in this game that he did figure out, he had been missing downfield trying to hit Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas in stride. This game, he put it up in the air and let them high point the ball and make contested catches. So he's not really trying to hit him in stride. He's trying to allow them a chance to make plays on the ball, and they both came through with huge plays. I mean, he made his first completion of 20-plus yards tonight. And, and one thing, Denver's defense did all that and more, but Matthew Stafford was like one for eight against the pass rush. Matthew Stafford has to learn to settle down and make plays. Oh, it's a level learn. If he well, hasn't it, learned yet. I, and that's the problem. That's yeah. why it's hard to look at the Lions. I don't care what pretty things are surrounding Matthew Stafford. It's, it's just hard to buy into them as a long-term and, project. And with Peyton Manning, one play is at the end of the game, where the game was hanging in the balance, 17-12, Third down, if the Lions can just force a field goal, it's a one-possession game with uh, the Lions having the ball. Man, and Collinsworth did a great job diagramming, but he, he saw the way the defense was going to attack. He set up the offensive line one way. He rolled out the other way and dropped a perfect pass to put the game away. And it was just an example of Peyton Manning being so much smarter than everyone else on the field and how much that can cover up his physical limitations. Well, I, I think the line of the night and really the summary of the Lions season came from your boy, Al Michaels, that – that he said it, there weren't enough fans in the crowd to even have a cascade of boos. It was more like a light rain of boos. I mean, that's where the Lions are at. They're not even hanging out to the end of the game, but the ones that are there are miserable. Bringing cascade back into our lives is something more than a dishwashing detergent. <laughs> and by the way, you know, everything changes, but nothing changes. Peyton Manning and the Broncos, 3-0. and Tom Brady and the Patriots, 3-0. Crash course, baby! That's it. <laughs> For another edition of the Around the NFL podcast, our week three recap uh, edition, we will be back on Tuesday. We'll, we'll talk about the uh, Monday night game between the Chiefs and Packers. Is that correct? You nailed, nailed it. it. Home run. So we'll recap that, and then we'll start again. Mark, it's the cycle. And Only like 18, ahead. 19, 20 more weeks of this. Exactly. And then it's and the then combine, we'll... and then it's the donors. Don't sound meetings. so miserable about it. No, I enjoy Mark has it. to be back at work in about a, a yeah, 14 I mean, minutes. You know, so. I'm not rolling in at 11 a.m. tomorrow. So <laughs> let's have a nice time. Everyone get a good night's sleep. That's it. This is Dan Hansis. Oh, before we go, uh, behind the glass, we just got to say this is our last video show mm-hmm. with the Irishman, Brandon McGinnis. There he is. He's behind the glass. He's, uh, he's uh, Irish, and uh, he's <laughs> proficient at his job and a gentleman. And funny. Absolutely. Funny. Did a great job. Sneaky funny. The funniest producer we've ever yes. had on the mic. There he is. No, <laughs> Gold no, Standard's no, pretty funny, too. But I'm it, just saying in terms of just dry humor. Notice how TD won't even give Brandon the headphones, by the way. <laughs> uh, to say one thing, Brandon, you, as he puts them on now, uh, Brandon, you are going to be producing on Tuesday, right? And Thursday. And Thursdays. Oh, yep. so we got two more shows. Nice long do. goodbye. Excellent. Nice. And, you know, just so you know, get ready. Might have something special for you coming up for your last show. All right, fair enough. And that's it. (laughs) There he goes, the Irishman. Another good one going away, but hopefully he comes back. That's it for Sunday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We'll be back Tuesday, as I said, so make sure you tune in and check us out on YouTube. This is Dan Hansen signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and everybody on the glass. Till then.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 